This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Jamming out over there. Quarter. Doing a little dance. <laughs> Doing a little dancey, dancey yeah, I'm over excited. there. I'm happy. You know, the draft is over. We're going to start having rookie mini camp. That's right around the corner. Then Next the, weekend. Then the real mini camp is right yeah. around the corner. And then you have your OTAs, training camp. I mean, it's just exciting stuff. It's exciting we're on a roll time. here. Yeah. We're, we got the draft behind us. Once, now we're getting ready for real for the season. It's a snowball now. Once that draft happens, it starts coming hot and heavy at you as far as the NFL is concerned. Anyone that tells you that the Schedule NFL release May 12th, that's right? a big deal. That's next Thursday. Anyone that tells you that the NFL season is just a six-month process no it's a full year now it's a it's 365 year. days and the best stop. thing about the nfl is it decides when it wants to dominate <laughs> oh it's the first weekend or oh it's the bracket reveal for march madness tom brady's coming out of retirement <laughs> you know what i mean like if they just decide when Even they want to be schedule the head, release will be, is now an event I, dude the schedule release will push the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs for ratings and probably beat them as far as the ratings are Is it are Thursday concerned. night? It's like, for some people, it's almost the start of a weekend. That's kind of their... F- Dude, it's round two of the NBA. It's round one of the NHL. There's going to be at least six games on between those two sporting leagues, and I guarantee you, NFL, myself included, the NFL draft will be the thing that most, most people watch. tune in to watch. The NFL schedule release, not the draft. The, draft uh, sorry, sorry. The schedule release, I yes. would love to do another draft. Drafts are great. <laughs> But the schedule release, it's just another one of those things that has become an event in the NFL. They, there they've, isn't a part of the NFL that is no longer They've made an the event. draft a three-day must-see Absolutely. event. And, and they've done a good job of having interesting things happen in those later days. Like yeah, even day Kyle three. Brandt coming out and doing yeah. all the picks for Buffalo and smacking Buffalo wings and like screaming like a professional wrestler as he makes the Bills picks. Like. They're now ramping things up as far as making it a three-day event. You come out to Vegas, you vacation, you have a great time here at the end of the draft. The schedule release is like that to a lesser extent. You're obviously not going to have it out in Vegas and people aren't going to stand in you know, this big crowd to watch the, the schedule get released. But, but how, you're going to tune in on TV for it. Sure, but how great was it after kind of having the, the first draft during COVID be completely virtual? Last year was in Cleveland Come on, it's Cleveland. Would have rather been virtual. Sure. <laughs> but then you've, you're finally kind of out Fabulous of the COVID. Las Vegas. And you're yep. in Vegas, party capital of the world. So, yeah, the NFL just doesn't stop with the events, doesn't stop being king, and it's especially going to ramp up sure. immensely. I as, mean, you and I alone. We move through the offseason now. You and I alone are going to do at least one, if not multiple episodes on the schedule release for the Steelers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, right? We're gonna, we, and that's we'll just find one out our record show there. for one franchise. We'll find out our record there. Yeah. Know? We'll find out who. Oh, that'll be, that'll be mock, mock season 1.0. <laughs> so, in summons, the NFL is king. And it's yes. not going away anytime yes. soon. One thing that is dominating headlines within the NFL, though, is the wide receiver position and the evolution of the position both in how they're used on the field and the value of them off the field has really exploded in the past couple of years. I mean, I I used to think that wide receivers were kind of a dime a dozen and that you could obviously find your elite top dog guys like T.O., Randy Moss. Like, Mm. you're going to have the studs of the world. But I always thought that you could, you know, not pay buku dollars for wide receivers and still find pretty productive players. And the tides have been changing there where 
you're getting guys like Christian Kirk getting just insane amount of money for his contract with the Jaguars. Like the money in the market for the wide receiver position has exploded. And I wonder if it's because of the usage of wide receivers, both creatively in, you know, jet sweep packages. If you're Debo Samuel lining them up in the backfield and using them as a running back, as well as just the trend of the NFL, these pass first league. And you need to have these guys who are capable of making spectacular catches if you're going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times a football game. So I think both of those things has just created this new sense of value for a position that really wasn't ever held to be that valuable in the past. Yeah, and getting to it. I mean, you would have never thought 10 years ago that six receivers would have gone in the top 20 of the NFL. No. A year ago, we had how many quarterbacks go in the first round? Five. Five, right? Yes. That's that's what you can expect from a draft, right? It's a normal draft. Maybe year, even yeah. like five offensive oh, five offensive. The fact that Kenny yeah. was the only one this year was super rare. Right. But like even so, you get year in, year out, you'll get at least five offensive linemen, five defensive linemen from both sides. I mean, it's consistent. You'll get at least five li- ten linemen in total. And that included this of, year. You still got that this year. Yeah. Exactly. You're going to get that all the but time. But you see, I mean, maybe you'll see a team go for a receiver early on. Like, it, it's kind of weird, though, Tom, that we kind of got uh, a little sense of what's to come this year from last year. Because remember, we had Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle, and I'm blanking on the third. There's a third receiver. Who went last year in the draft? Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddle and do you remember the third I guy? Can't, you're, you're making me blank. Those are those are I teammates. Do it. Those nah, are teammates in Alabama. It's hilarious that you're not remembering. Oh, it. Jamar Chase. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but so those three guys all taken what in the top ten in the top like seven somewhere around there. So that was that maybe a sign Chase of things what, to come. Three, like, Chase was I think three. Yeah. But wasn't that could that have been a sign of things to come? And then this year, when you, obviously, was the, when you, oh, my God, look at all the guys going. Six in the first round. When you hit on all three of them, too, last year, like you swung on all three of these guys towards the top ten, Smith, Waddle, and Chase, and all three are hits, that adds fuel to the fire, right? It's like, sure. oh, you spent your top ten pick on a wide receiver, and you got a, in Chase's case, an all-pro, future all-pro potential for guys like Waddle and Smith. Yeah. I mean, Waddle broke the record for most receptions of a rookie receiver. Right. Like. Just quietly in the shadow of Jamar Chase getting all the headlines, Waddle had one of the most historic seasons ever for a rookie wide receiver. So, yeah, I think that you you can't just have a run of players picked in the top 10 and then have that be the, the change of the way the vibe is felt for the position. You need those players to hit, and boy, all three of those guys just are, are going to be stud wide receivers in the NFL. And then you look to this year, and this year is so much more highly regarded as a class than it was last year. And it wasn't even the names of the receivers in right. the draft class that took the headlines on draft day. It was A.J. Brown. It was Hollywood Brown. You know, those those guys. It was Debo Samuel not moving mm-hmm. that made the headlines. And you're right. Like, these Drake Londons and Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave. They could all be studly. Jahan Dotson went in the first round, too. All of them could be really studly wide receivers. Uh, but they didn't get the play that an A.J. Brown got when he was on the move. And it's incredible to me to see this kind of arms race for wide receiver talent in this league. You Same offseason, you've had Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown move teams. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Kelsey was on record. Uh, I don't know if it was during draft coverage, what he was participating in on ESPN this past weekend, or if it was an interview before that. But he he thinks that AJ Brown is the most is the biggest cheat code of a player in the NFL to guard. Really? Why? Speed. He Mm. thinks he's got the speed of Tyreek Hill, but he's bigger than Tyreek Hill. He's got better hands than most people in the league. We haven't even mentioned Tyreek Hill yet. That's what I was just saying. I was like, the movement of Mm. these receivers with Hill going to Miami, and then A.J. Brown on draft day goes to Philadelphia, and Marquise Hollywood Brown, to a lesser degree from those two kind of guys, but still a name still that a gets name. moved to Arizona. And now that name is talked about a little bit more. Because Hopkins is of, out with yeah. PEDs, six-game suspension for him for taking performance-enhancing drugs. So uh, it's just insane to me, all of this movement at that position, and it doesn't just end with them moving. You know, Hill goes to Miami and he sets the market again for the wide receivers, mm-hmm. only to have that dethroned by A.J. Brown, who moves to Philadelphia and gets a new contract. Oh, by the way, didn't mention this guy. Devontae Adams. He moved to Vegas and got himself a new contract mm-hmm. and broke the record that Tyreek Hill just set like a yep. week earlier as far as most money guaranteed for a wide receiver. And both it's of an those insa- signings, it's an insane Hill position. and Adams, no one, no one. Saw coming because why would the Chiefs or the Packers move, move on, on from that yeah. kind of a stud? And but that's also what's so and th- we could t- call this episode "My Mind Is in a Pretzel" because I just don't <laughs> understand what's going on with the position. I why do two teams like the Chiefs and the Packers think that the position is so replaceable that they're going to move on from two nailed-on number one wide receivers? Whereas other teams like the Dolphins and the Raiders are like. We got to get one of these guys mm-hmm. in here because everybody's starting to get one of these guys. And if we don't have one, we're screwed. I, I look all around the division. The Broncos, Jerry Judy, he could be one of these guys. Uh, look over in, in, in L.A., Keenan Allen. He's a stud. And Mike Williams, he's a stud. They got two of those guys over there. You know, why would Kansas Raiders are looking at it like, we need to bring in one of these guys. We need to have a guy. It can't just be Waller and Renfro. I mean, that's good enough to get you the sixth seed, the seventh seed. But you need to get another top dog in here if you want to really compete but then the Chiefs in the same division are looking at the same thing and they're like we got Kelsey and we have Mahomes that's all we need bring me Juju we'll pick another wide receiver in this the draft other guy, class but they also picked up another free agent I, it doesn't matter either but, way give me a bunch yeah. of you know scrap heap guys to pair with Kelsey and, and Mahomes and we'll get it done that way same thing with Rodgers oh just give me a bunch of guys off the scrap heap I'm going to use my running backs Dylan and Jones a ton but just give me some guy from North Dakota State in the second round and I'll, I'll make him a better player you know it's it's wild to me to see these juxtaposition of how the position is treated and how some teams treat it versus others. It's funny, though. Like The teams that are getting the studs and want the studs are the teams that have the young quarterbacks that need to develop, and the teams that have the stud quarterbacks are like, we can bring in anybody and have them play with him. Well, maybe that should tell you that a great quarterback doesn't need a great wide receiver for him to be great. I think that that's true, but I also think that you're an idiot of a team builder if you don't want to have a great quarterback and a great wide receiver. Yeah, of course. You need pieces, not just one piece. But I'm just, I'm not even saying, like, if you want to go with the strategy of, well, oh, Rodgers will elevate every opposite. Like, Bills are the opposite of what, of the two scenarios you just laid out. They have a young quarterback, and they, and they brought in this great guy. This- I think that's the case study that these guys are looking at. Because mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs came in before Allen became Allen, took that next leap. Right. And then they became one of the best one-two punches in the NFL together. And now Allen, you would say, I mean, they're different positions, but 
he's better than Diggs now. Like, he's the guy you'd rather have than Stephon Diggs. You'd like, rather Josh Allen than have Stephon Of course. Diggs. He's yeah. one of the top but three Josh quarterbacks Allen in the NFL. Josh Allen really came mind. into his own. I mean, his rookie year, he kind of struggled. We know his he deep got a ball, guy, though. His deep ball passes weren't as accurate. You bring in Stephon Diggs to elevate him. That's what these teams yeah. are looking at for a Tua or mm-hmm. for a Jalen Hurts, is they want to bring in these studs now to elevate. But at the same time, I look at Tua and I look at Hertz, and that is like you and I just getting our license from the DMV <laughs> and then jumping into a McLaren or a Lamborghini and being told to run the 24 hours at Le Mans race. Like, you are asking someone who hasn't been behind the wheel of the car for too long to now all of a sudden drive one of the most premier kinds of machinery on the market. You know, you've got Smith and A.J. Brown now if you're Jalen Hurts. You've got Waddle and Tyreek Hill now if you're Tua. Like You got Devontae Adams if you're Derek Carr. Yeah, you played together. With Waller and Renfro. But yeah, and and the point I was going to make is you played together at Fresno State. Well, I trust Carr to deal with it more than the other two because he's established in the NFL more. But there's the argument to be made that some of these receivers are so skilled because of the relationships they built with their respective quarterbacks. Like the Devontae Adams-Aaron Rodgers connection we talked about in our previous episode saying Aaron Rodgers expects everybody on his team to to meet him at his level. Not the other way around, yeah. Right, so again, Derek Carr, I think, is the best off, has the best chance to... Yeah, I don't think it's going to be much of a of adjustment for him. But, he's he's able to. I let's say how, this: he can drive those sports yeah. cars. He can drive that Lamborghini. But how much is Tyreek Hill's game going to possibly suffer? Because we see his skill set in full force when both him and Mahomes improved at the same time. Right? It yeah. wasn't just Tyreek Hill ran around and and Mahomes had to wait for him to create separation. It was. Hill waited for Mahomes to create separation, so then he would create separation of his own. You don't know if Tua is going to be able to do that. I don't know in, in Philly what Jalen Hurts is really capable of doing with a talented receiver core, which he now has with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. One thing Tua or Jalen has going for him that Tua does not, though. I know Tua worked Waddle set that record last year for reception, so he's got a rapport with him at least. But with Jalen Hurts... Obviously, there's the Alabama connection at Devon, with Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really, they weren't at their peaks at that school at the same time. At the same time. But they were around each other for a year or two. And then, obviously, you have to be living under a rock to not real, realize the relationship that Hertz and Brown have together. They're FaceTiming each other, they have been talking to each other. Uh, it was reported yeah. that Hertz was the one that pushed the Eagles to mm-hmm. make this trade, which, by the way, if you're listening to that, that means he's your guy, right? Like, if you're going to. Mm-hmm. Listen right. to his input, then you're really trust putting a lot of eggs in his basket, and it's not. It tells me now it's not really maybe just a prove it year for her. It's mm-hmm. like they think he's the future. At the you spot. would think too. AJ Brown, Tennessee's coming off a Coach of the Year campaign by Mike Vrabel, for number one overall seed in the AFC last year. He was the reason why they got the one seed too, because there was with no King Henry Derek going Henry. down. They were spinning out of control. That Thursday night game before Christmas against the Niners, A.J. Brown went off when he came right, back. Right. Won them that game, kind of helped stabilize that team and get that one seed. So he was just as important as King Henry, especially last year with King Henry being hurt. But you would assume, I mean, how many people could argue against that the best wide receiver running back combo in the league was not A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry? I don't think he They're could. up there, they, for sure. I think they were the best running back right. wide receiver combo. So you would have thought A.J. Brown's going to say to himself, I'm, you're making me leave Tennessee. I'm no longer going to be with 
No, not at all. I, he's ecstatic. I think he thinks Hurts is better than Tannehill. I don't think whether it's he's blinded by. Friend- I don't think that's a incorrect opinion. I don't to think have. it is either. And it, maybe he's blinded by friendship a little bit there. Yeah. But again, I don't think it is. I don't think you can flat out say that's an incorrect. I certainly know that there's more potential with Jalen Hurts absolutely at, at the quarterback spot. But you know they're now tasked with driving these beasts of an offense, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it now. With all this receiver money going around and all of this changing of the position, there's just two more things I want to touch on in this episode. Sure. The first is here close to home. With Deontay Johnson and this contract that he's going to want, he is looking around at guys from his draft class like Debo Samuel and the money that he's demanding and the money that he potentially will get. Obviously, Samuel did not move yet, and if I were the Niners, I wouldn't move him at all. Trying to win a Super Bowl this year, definitely need a guy like Debo Samuel on your team to help make that happen, but... The guys are the reported salary figures for guys like that are just insane. And there's rumors that what Deontay wants like five years at $80 million or something like that. And you just can't afford to pay him that kind of money, especially with the drops that he's had throughout his career so far. And, you know, last year was worrisome that he had a Pro Bowl caliber year until he complained about not making the Pro Bowl and then had his play kind of dip a little bit towards the end of the season. So there's still question marks when it comes to him. And what's this, his fourth year now that he's entering into? Yeah. You can't still have question marks entering your fourth year and want the $80 million five-year contract. Like, you need to be a nailed-on player at this point, and then we can start negotiating how much we can really give you. But, like, I don't even know if the Steelers are in the camp of oh, this is a guy we absolutely even need to bring back long-term and bring a second contract to, let alone for that kind of a figure. But it's going to happen more and more. And the Steelers are going are, are up soon with Deontay Johnson, but right. it's going to hit all these teams. And I really wonder if we're going to go back and we're going to circle the Christian Kirk signing as really the point the of trigger. no return when it yeah. comes to this. Because you got to imagine that guys like Hill, like obviously Kirk didn't sign for more than what Hill or Debo or these guys, maybe Debo, but what Hill or Brown are making. But they're probably looking at him making that much and they're being like, what the heck? Like, I right. deserve a raise too. Then. Even though Christian Kirk, of all the names we've mentioned today, is the least deserving of what he got. But it's going to give but ammo the, to guys like exactly. Johnson, who's kind of more in a Christian Kirk realm than a Hill or a. Sure. Or a um, it's Devontae Adams. Yes. It's because Christian Kirk, of all people, got this deal that a guy like Deontay Johnson can ask for almost whatever he wants. But the Steelers, I think, are in a fine position, Tom, because you go out and you just draft what people consider maybe the seal of the second round. George Pickens. And George Pickens, and then certainly a seal of the mid-round. You're leaving Calvin yourself Austin. options to move on from a receiver yeah. that you have in a couple years. So, I mean— this is nothing new to the Steelers, who do such a great job of drafting receivers, whether it's in the, the first couple of rounds or the mid-rounds of the draft, and they just continue to recycle. You had arguably the best offensive player of the last decade in Antonio Brown, and he's off the team, and you still you right now have four receivers you consider starting qualities receivers. And the last thing I wanted to touch on... The last big-name receiver still out there, Odell Beckham Jr., has not signed yet. Where do you think that ends up going? It, it, it's probably going to come out soon, right? It has to. Like, You'd have to imagine he's not going to spend too much time working his way through this offseason without having an abso- actual plan for a team that he's going to play for next year. So 
I don't know if the money's just not working out right with the offers that he's getting or if he's just not listening to offers right now and he's kind of waiting and enjoying his offseason. But I think Odell still is a, a big-time player in this league and sure. someone that if you need receiver help, like I'm like I look at the Patriots honestly as Baltimore. A, yeah, those two good teams right there, Patriots Baltimore that's Green just like, Bay. You're, you can't be naming better teams yeah. that need this kind of a fit. Why isn't it happening? Why isn't it happening? That's the biggest question mark for me. Especially I, after the postseason he had and the regular season he had with the Rams. Especially because okay, you're Baltimore, you're New England and you're Green Bay. New England and Mac Jones you don't know. But Lamar is an MVP and the back MVP and Rodgers. Right. You saw what Odell did with to an MVP caliber yeah. quarterback with Matt Stafford. It was clearly the quarterback in Cleveland more than the wide receiver. So if you have one of those quarterbacks, oh, I don't think you have to worry about him not playing well. Absolutely. Those rumors of was it Odell or was it Baker were put to rest. Yeah. With 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 no hesitation, no second guessing it. It was clearly the Baker and Cleveland overall situation, not Odell. Well, we'll certainly keep our eye on Odell Beckham Jr., see where he ends up landing. And we'll certainly keep an eye on this crazy wide receiver carousel that we have going on in this free agency period of the NFL offseason. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you next time.